here we go. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. <laughs> Welcome to Cinescape's Flicks of the Week. I am Joe Spiegel. Wow, you have a lot of fucking energy. Oh, yeah, I had a lot of coffee. Ugh. Coffee, coffee, coffee. Mike Sutherland. Mochaccino Jaffa. Yes! Do you know who said that line? I don't care. Grant, Grant Heslov in Dante's Peak, 1997. Great. Starring Pierce Brosnan. I don't care. <laughs> and Linda Hamilton. All right. So anyway. Another I don't. You don't like Dante's Peak? Fuck that movie. That movie I love like, Dante's Peak. That movie was awful. It's been a while since I've seen it, so I'm pretty that, sure the visuals are probably a little dated. That and fucking Volcano. Volcano was horrible. Volcano sucked. Okay. You can't have uh, Anne Hesh be a leading lady. No. Maybe in 40 days. In four, four was it? Six days and nights or whatever the fuck. With Harrison Ford was okay, but otherwise, no. Right. All right. Um, so, yes, we have Flicks of the Week. Mine is going to be the independent film, I Am Not a Serial Killer. Okay. Yours is? A Christmas Story. Wow. <laughs> you really fucking put the effort in there. <laughs> what? Oh, no, it, look, it's a classic. I'm, I don't dispute that at all. You're but... disputing it now, so fuck you. <laughs> F- fuck you and the horse you rode in on. It just feels kind of safe. Like, hey, I like that movie, so I'm just going to make it. We've never talked about it, so fuck off. <laughs> fragili. All right. Your ego's a little fragile right now. There, buddy. All right, so. I know, jokey, jokey. All right, we'll talk about those flicks of the week. And then uh, some movie trailers came out for uh, Blade Runner, Despicable Me 3. And uh, did you see any other trailers? No, I did not. I saw the ones that you were talking about. Yeah. And, uh, of course, um, the John Wick 2 oh, extended yeah. trailer. Yeah, John Wick 2, where um, it seems to be carrying on the the trend of uh, 2017 having main villains who look like Justin fucking Bieber in them. Bieber villains. Which makes no sense to me. So, Triple X 3 has a Justin Bieber lookalike and also John Wick 2. But I'm already jumping ahead, aren't I? So, talk about that. Uh, also, I want to talk about the last Guardian video game that came out for the PS4. Why? I'll get into that when we get into that. I'll try not to keep it too long. So I'll do the quick uh, the coffee talk run through. How about that? So it's going to run through like diarrhea, but it's going to smell way coffee better. Coffee talk. It's going to smell way better. All right. So all that and more on Flicks of the Week. Take it away. Should we do that even with that? Johnny. Johnny. Johnny boy. All right. So um, before we fall into um, you know comfortable predictability, uh, I'm going to do my review first. Which is comfortable predictability. I had to think like three seconds to, for those two words to come together. All right. Mine is the 2016 film, I Am Not a Serial Killer. It stars Max Records. That sounds like a fucking business. Max Records. Max Power. Uh, Max Records is 19 years old, old at the moment. But if anyone who remembers Max Records remembers that he played the little kid, the main character in Where the Wild Things Are movie. Great. Okay. Because the whole time I was watching this movie, I was like, that little fucker looks familiar. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to read you the synopsis of this movie. You do that. In a small Midwestern town, a troubled teen with homicidal tendencies 
must hunt down and destroy a supernatural killer whilst keeping his own inner demons at bay. All right. It is based off of the 2009 book, which is the first of a trilogy uh, written by Dan Wells of the same name. I am not a serial killer. And it's centered around Max Records character, whose name is John Wayne Cleaver. And it's find it funny because he has three names, which all serial killers always have three names attributed to them, right? Okay. He's also obsessed with serial killers. Um, in the movie, he is a sociopath. He's a, he's a you know teenager in high school. He lives with his mother and his aunt and his sister. Um, they have the only funeral home in town. The so only what? They have the only funeral home in town. Oh, okay. So anytime cool. someone gets killed, the body goes to their house. To go through, you know, the mortuary and everything like that, right? Um, he, um, he, like I said, he's a sociopath. He is aware of of his attraction to everything that's that's you know serial killer related. Uh-huh. He writes, you know, um, he writes reports at sc- at school for um, you know the BTK killer, you know, the the bind torture and kill. Uh, also Jeffrey Dahmer, mm-hmm. people like that. Uh, he's bullied at school by this one kid. Um, who keeps calling him a freak. Uh, he doesn't know how to talk to girls. He doesn't really want to at the same time. It's very, very dexterish. Dexterish? Yeah, okay. very dexterish in a way, but completely different. I mean, he's still way different than Michael C. Hall's character. Um, and his character, at first, because I didn't, I, I didn't read the synopsis of this movie, so when the supernatural shit happens... I didn't expect it. I totally did not fucking expect it to happen. So it threw me for a loop. So anyway... The movie starts off with a dead. There's already a dead body at a crime scene, and the cops pick up the body and put it on a gurney. And all of a sudden, a couple <laughs> organs fall out of the bag when they put it on there. And like, fuck, this guy got really fucked up. Takes him to the mortuary, and Max, I'm sorry, John Wayne Cleaver, he helps his mother, you know, do some of the um, the autopsy stuff. Okay. On, on the, you know, she, I'm sorry, he helps her with the embalming of the bodies, and. He, but he he also feeds into his own interests with with dead bodies and stuff by examining the organs and you know he does his own little investigative uh, you know trial on there where he's like well there's an organ missing here where'd that organ go you know and I think we have a serial killer on our hands and no one believes him because they think he's weird right, right. and then uh, his mother has forced him to see a, uh, a therapist and he ends up telling his therapist all of his secrets and his therapist pretty much betrays him and keeps telling his mother what he's telling him but he also gives him advice um so what he does is he uses his his feelings of his homicidal feelings and he tries to turn it into something positive and it plays out really well because there's this one point where the bu- the bully of the school is is fucking bullying him at the school dance and he does this thing where he goes well normally i would think of just you know following you home and cuz then he says his address to him he tells the guy you know the bully his address like so, let him know. I know where you fucking live, um, and I'm just gonna. I, you know, my first thought is to cut you open and start taking organs out while you're still breathing and blah blah blah. Right. But instead, just creeps him the fuck out. Yeah. But instead, I need to do the nice thing, and I don't want to be that person. So I'm. I'm. Instead, I'm just gonna tell you you're a really great guy, and have a nice dance and stuff like that. It's just it's creepy, but it's also dark comedy, kind of funny in the, in those moments. Anyway, he has a neighbor who's played by Christopher Lloyd, and. God damn, Christopher Lloyd's like, his character is named Mr. Crowley, which is funny. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, Mr. Crowley 
is this sympathetic character who's very old. He has a wife. Um, he's kind of slow. I don't mean mental-wise. I just mean physically. You know, he's very tired. and um, It seems like uh, uh, John Wayne Cleaver hangs out with him and stuff like that. Everything's fine. John Wayne Cleaver. Now, I don't want to give away everything in this movie, and I'm not. But this happens within the first half hour, so I don't think I'm really giving away. But you find out that Christopher Lloyd's character is not what he's all cracked up to be, and it goes from there. And the scenes with him doing what he does gets kind of creepy here and there. And Christopher Lloyd plays it very well. He makes himself seem way more feeble than he is, and it it just it just works. It, it just for whatever reason, it fucking works. Um, the supernatural element. I don't want to describe too much of it. The ending is like. The way that the movie ends is like an episode of Tales from the Dark Side, where you think it's one thing, and then all of a sudden it comes, it becomes the full extent of what it is, and you're like, "Damn, they really went that far with it," <laughs> kind of thing. And but like I said, I don't want to give it away, but uh, the movie is very interesting. Um, it tries not to make you feel too sympathetic to the main character. But at the same time, he's not a bad person because he's trying to be good because he's aware of it. Like if he was psycho, if he was a psychopath, he wouldn't give a shit and he would just do what he wanted to do. But since he's just a sociopath, he still wants to do those things, but he's aware that it's wrong, so he's trying not to do them. And so that's what makes him a sympathetic character in the movie. Um, and like I said, it's interesting and it's only an hour and a half long, so it, it's actually it's really worth checking out. Uh, it's got a 93% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Budget was $1.45 million. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So um, I, it was a surprise. I, I put off seeing it for a couple weeks after having it on my queue. And then last night I got home from the movies and I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to watch this for like a half an hour while I eat and then get ready for bed. Right. And then I ended up watching the whole movie instead because it was just, I, I didn't know when to stop it because it just would go into another scene. I'm like, Oh, this seems interesting too. So <laughs> let's keep going. There you go. All right. So I am not a serial killer. I don't know if they're going to do um, sequels or not for it. Well, there are multiple books out for it. Yeah. Um, there's I am not a I am not a serial killer. Mister Monster was the sequel. Yeah. Uh, the third installment is I don't want to kill you, oh, which was there's... released in January 2011. Oh, there's five now. And the fourth installment, The Devil's Only Friend, was released last year. Uh huh. The fifth installment was released on May 3rd, 2016. Yeah. So apparently Dan Wells, I don't know much about Dan Wells. Let's see. Uh, he's a horror and science fiction writer. He lives in Utah. Ooh, that makes it for interesting writing, huh? Um, if I lived in Utah, I'd be thinking about killing people too. Yeah. Uh, he's a graduate of Brigham Young. Uh-huh. He is the brother of author Robeson Wells. Hey, that's kind of weird. We know a guy named with his last name is Robeson. Yeah. And that is not a common name. I just can't. When I was going through all my stuff, you know, like spring cleaning, I came across his obituary. Oh, wow. I still kept it from the newspaper. So uh, Wells is known as the author of I Am Not a Serial Killer. Um, It was published in the United States by Tor Books. has been released in the United Kingdom, Australia, Germany, and Taiwan. Mm -hmm. He is one of four authors who contribute to the podcast Writing Excuses. So if you want to listen to that, you can contact Dan through his assistant, Kenna Blaylock, at danwellsassistant at gmail.com. Paul F. or F. Paul Wilson, who is another writer, described I Am Not a Serial Killer as dazzling, unputdownable debut with a protagonist as chilling as his endearing. 
Um, it's considered young adult, although it was not really written for young adult. Um, Dan said that he wrote it for himself, you know, yeah, as if he were the audience, which I think is <coughs> what a lot of people don't do. Yeah. Uh, young adult fiction author Jack Heath praised it as having plenty of thematic merit. I noted that all the characters are richly identifiable, including, and I can't stress enough how impressed I was by this, the serial killer. Yeah. Wells is a first-time novelist, and yet he's already created a sympathetic villain, the holy grail of thriller writing. Um, he was nominated for a John W. Campbell Award for Best New Writer. His novella, The Butcher of Cardoff, received a nomination for a Hugo Award for Best Novella in 2014. So the first trilogy is Mr. I'm Not a Serial Killer, Mr. Monster, and I Don't Want to Kill You. We've already discussed those. Yeah. Uh, the second trilogy is the other three books, The Devil's Only Friend, Over Your Dead Body, and Nothing Left to Lose, which is to be re- is is uh, to be announced for a release date. Uh-huh. He's also got uh, Partials Sequence, with partial, partial, Partials, Isolation Fragments, Ruins, Blue Screen, The Mirador Series, Ones and Zeros, Standalone Novels, Short Stories, Novellas and Editorials, How to Write Good. <laughs> Um, this is something i actually kind of want to read so um thank you for turning me on to this but no no problem um it looks like he's trying to create a modern day uh, hannibal lecter yeah he's sympathetic villain yep and uh i want to listen to his podcast so we'll have to check that out writing excuses okay um it's a 15 minute long podcast oh that's not bad at all uh promoted as 15 minutes long because you're in a hurry and we're not that smart the four hosts discuss different <laughs> topics involved in the creation and production of genre writing and web comics. <coughs> Something I'm very interested in. So, if you're also interested in that, there you go. All right, thanks for taking over my flick of the week review there, Mike. <laughs> Sorry. No, actually, no, thanks for opening it up more because I, w- I didn't even think to do that much research into it, man. I- <coughs> well, I, I knew that you were at the end. Yeah. And I didn't want to interrupt. So, oh, that's cool. Shit, awesome. All right, so um, your movie is, of course, a Christmas story. Now we've never done a review for this movie. It's a goddamn classic. This is a nineteen. Yeah, it's not a, a finger. <laughs> the box office it made nineteen million dollars. The budget was at three point two million. So that's a hit. It's, it just wasn't a huge hit. Yeah, it's it's a cult hit. I mean, oh, yeah. it's more than tripled that box office number. Oh. Um, it's probably a hundred times that now. Oh yeah, because of all the times it's appeared on TV. Yeah, it's it's um, it's written by Gene Shepard. It's based on his book called "In God We Trust." All others, all others pay cash. Uh-huh. Uh, with some elements derived from Wanda Hickey's "Night of Golden Memories." It's directed by uh, Bob Clark. Obviously, it's a classic that is shown here in the United States. Um, generally, most of the Turner Broadcasting. You know, so it's on TBS, it's on TNT. It airs annually, 24 hours of a Christmas story. It used to be like a week full of Christmas story. Yeah. So they'd show it like every fucking day. <laughs> uh, the film earned uh, two Genie Awards in two, 2012. The film was selected for preservation in the National Film Registry, culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. And the reason why this film didn't take off in the 80s is because it's, it's a retro film. Uh-huh. It's nostalgia. Nobody in the 80s cared about nostalgia. Yeah. It was all moving forward and this and that. Yeah, I mean, you have, like, Raiders of the Lost Ark is nostalgic. Yeah. But it's 
action adventure. And, yeah, yeah, and so it, it's kind of new, but not new. Yeah, you know? and then, yeah, and all this new technology coming out with video games and stuff. Well, yeah, but that has nothing to do with it. it distracts people. No, it doesn't. It hasn't changed. The, the movie in and of itself didn't appeal because it's strictly nostalgia. It's about a kid who's re, it's about Gene Shepard mm-hmm. who's remembering his days growing up on in Cleveland Street, I think it was, in Indiana, and his entire his entire existence at that point in time during that week, you know, the 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 radio shows, Little Orphan Annie, uh his dad, which I um uh <laughs> Darren McGavin. Yeah. His Darren McGavin was great in this film. Absolutely, and Melinda Dillon, who plays his mom. But it's all it all it is is about this family. You know, you don't really get to see anybody else. Yeah, you see once in a while, you know, Darren McGavin's character <coughs> talking to a neighbor or haggling with the tree vendor guy or whatever. But it's all basically Ralphie. You know, Ralphie at school. Ralphie playing, you know, playing pranks on his friends or, you know, getting the tongue stuck to the pole <laughs> or anything else like that. You yeah. know, one of the best scenes in the movie was his brother underneath the, you know, underneath the cover crying. Yeah. Daddy's going to kill Ralphie. <laughs> Daddy's not going to kill Ralphie. You want some milk? And he shakes his head and she gives him some milk. And, yeah. and then, like, dinner time comes up and he comes, he pops out of, you know, because it's under the sink is what it is. Yeah. He pops out of there and McGavin looks, looks like it's. This has happened before, yeah. but he just wasn't expecting it. He went, huh, all right. <laughs> Back to his newspaper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, the, the movie, all these little things make this movie so great. It, uh, for example, the uh, the part where the the mother tells the other kid that where he learned to cuss. Oh, my God. And you could hear her screaming. That's the, the director. Is it? Yeah, the what? director. What? The director. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, the whole basis of the story is Ralphie wants the you know the Red Rider, the Red Rider BB gun. You'll shoot your eye out. Yeah, but uh, the Bumpus's dog, uh, the old man prize, Ralphie and his friends flick are tormented by Scut Farkas and Grover Dill. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the uh, the the whole the 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 whole scene where oh fudge, you know, yeah. but I didn't say fudge. I said the f dash 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 word, right? Yeah. And you know. That's what I thought you said, and of course, you know, he as as he goes into the car, all all about to cry and whatever else. Yeah. Darren McGavin's fucking smirking, yeah. right? Like, yes, my son said a bad word, but <laughs> I've got to punish him, right? Yep. You know, Schwartz. That's what he goes. Who told you that? Now I've heard that Schwartz. word come out of my dad's mouth, you know, a thousand times if I've heard it once. Yeah, but you know, I'm not going to blame him. Yeah, <laughs> Schwartz. All right, you know. You, you, what was it? You, uh, you, you get in bed. Yeah. You know, and or, don't you give me that look. Yeah, exactly. Or all that effort that he puts into, uh, uh, listening to the radio program. Yeah. You know, don't forget to drink your Ovaltine. Ovaltine? A commercial? Son of a bitch. <laughs> but everybody, it's, it's the attention to detail. Uh huh. You know, the cars, you know, my dad had tires, you know. They were rubber once, if you can call it that. <laughs> they were all fucking bald. Yeah. You know? And then every time something happened, Dad, come it! You know, and then the, the brassa fracking, brassa fracking, It's almost like a John Hughes movie before John Hughes was making movies. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah. Chicago based or Indiana the family based detail, you know, and, and I, I, it's you, not the family detail. It's the house. It's the the times. We don't follow the dad like most movies today. Yeah. They would follow the dad. Yeah. You know, oh, the dad going to the office and then his shitty day and then coming home. Yeah. And then we'd miss all the other stuff where we, we you know, like the mom dressing, you know, <laughs> uh, Randy. And he's, he's got, he's, he's, he looks like the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, right? Yeah. And his arms are all stuck out to the side. He's like, ah! And she pulls down his little scarf face. I gotta go to the bathroom. Right. And she's like, well, you can go when you go to school. You can yeah. put your arms down when you go to school. Yeah. I can't put my arms down. And then he falls. Yeah. <laughs> can't get up. Damn. I can't get up. Ralphie. <laughs> God damn it. I love this movie. And you then know the what, bumps is. Like I say about the little things, one of the th- scenes that I just love absolutely is the part where he has to wear the bunny costume. Yeah. And his dad wanna. goes, his dad goes, you want to take that thing off? Right. He's, and he's like, yeah, yeah. He doesn't even talk. He just shakes his head. And he goes, okay, go upstairs and take it off. And the way he runs up the stairs in the bunny costume, it just, every time it makes me laugh my ass off. Right. Because it's so funny looking. Those little things like that, man. I, I love a Christmas story. Every year I got to put it on. Yeah. I even upgraded and bought the Blu-ray edition. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, you got anything else about it? Uh, No, really. The original screenplay was written by Gene Shepard, Lee Brown, and Bob Clark, who directed the film. <laughs> Several subplots are incorporated into the body of the film based on separate short stories by Gene Shepard. Uh, Shepard provides the film's narration from the pers- uh, from an adult Ralphie perspective, um, which was also a narrative style that was used later on in the Wonder Years. Yep. Shepard, Brown, and Clark all have cameo appearances in the film. Shepard plays the man who directs Ralphie and Randy to the back of the line at the department store. So when they're standing, the line starts here. Yeah. Or the line ends here. It starts there. Yeah. You know, he's the guy with the beard that had the gray streaks in it. <laughs> so get going. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's not him. I know. Um, Shepherd, uh, Brown Shepherd's wife in real life plays the woman in Santa line with Shepherd. Clark plays Swede, the neighbor of the old man, the neighbor the old man talks to outside during the leg, the leg lamp scene. Yeah. No kidding. Oh, fellas, that's a major award. Yeah, this movie also had the first uh, <laughs> Bad Santa. Yeah. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> what does he say? If he, see, if he thinks I'm going to stay here after 9 o'clock, he can kiss my foot. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> I love the enthusiasm. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, he was fine. Oh, no, he was great. That was the point. It was like you know, he was ready to go. No, even even when he wasn't ready. No, when he was sitting there, he was when he was yelling at one of the elves. I mean, the elves wanted to go. Like, yeah. come on, kid. Yeah, you're holding up the line. <laughs> Every time she shook her head. Yeah, with the bell. Yeah, let's get going. <laughs> that was great. Yeah, and um, oh, uh, what we didn't get to see is uh, the prize is a lamp in the shape of a leg wearing a fishnet stocking, which was derived from the logo for Knee High. Uh, a popular soft drink. You know what? I had a. Um, they had an ornament for that uh, Christmas tree ornament, and it you could it comes in the actual box. Yeah, no shit. The Fragili box, <laughs> and you could you could either just keep it in the box, and then just there was a button you could push on it that would play sound bites from the movie of that scene, or you could actually t- open it up and take the lamp out and hang that by itself from your tree. Fucking amazing. I love that because at the time when I first saw it, it wasn't mass produced. 
it was a special item, special order kind of item. And yeah, I wonder what happened to that. I think the fucking ex stole it. Fucking bitch. Probably right. did. Anyway. Anyways, um, this is a this is a fucking great movie. It really is. It does everything right. Yeah, it does. You know, it um, and basically all it is is about Ralphie. It's not about anything else. It's basically him on Christmas vacation. Well, not really Christmas vacation. It's him going to school and dealing with all the crap that goes along with going to school yeah. and Christmas. There's not one part where I get bored in this movie. Not one I that I can think of. You know, it. It, you it, can, it was? You just fucking, yeah. Soap poisoning. <laughs> oh, the part where he, he shuts the dog's ear in the fucking door. It's yeah. all, it it. opens it and sticks his leg out there. Yeah. Go on, have a ride, you guys. <laughs> Everything about this movie. Yep, and then uh, the racist uh, ending busted. at the Chinese restaurant. It wasn't even racist. I know, it's just what people call it, though. Says who? I don't know. I've heard people say it over the years. Oh, it's racist because I'm like, wait a minute. How would you call that racist when the the main, the main, I don't know, the owner or whatever of the place, he says, no, 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 you're not saying it right. And he keeps correcting them and telling There's them. There's pre- nothing in here that talks about any controversy or racism. That's bullshit. I don't remember where I heard it. Anyway, it's funny and it's not racist. Well, you're the one that brought it up. Hey, you're the one that fucking had to look it up. Yeah, because I'm on the page. <laughs> All right. So, uh, let's see. Uh, based on 52 reviews, the film has an overall approval rating of 89%, with an average score of 8.5 out of 10. The site's consensus reads, both warmly nostalgic and darkly humorous, deserves its status as a holiday perennial. On Metacritic, the film has a score of 77 out of 100 based on eight critics. And Leonard Maltin uh, awarded the film a rare four-star rating, calling the film delightful and truly funny for kids and grown-ups. AOL, who cares? AOL ranked the film their number one Christmas film of all times. Fucking cares about AOL. <laughs> the f- it first aired on HBO in 1985. Uh, then it began airing in the 90s. Yeah, that was when uh, when a movie would premiere on TV. It usually wouldn't premiere for years and years after it was in theaters. Okay. It was yeah. I just remember it was different. Now you'll see a movie that was in theaters show up. A year later on regular TV. I'm not talking about fucking cable, like on HBO, where they have it, you know, three months after it was on, it comes out on video. I mean. Okay. Yeah. It just, it's just weird how things change. I, I got used to things being a certain way and then they changed. At the time when you only had three channels, TV channels, it seemed more special when a movie would come on. You know what I mean? Like finally, if 2001 and Space Odyssey came on TV or. I don't know what else. Star Wars. Oh, shit, man. We recorded Star Wars when it would come out in the 80s. Had to record it. Okay. I used to watch that shit over and over again on a shitty videotape. And my uncle loved to keep space. So you know what he'd do? He'd always record it on, um, I believe it was SLP, which is the whole six hours instead of the two hours for better quality. So he'd do six hours, and so it'd be the shitty quality. I always remember fucking, fuck you and your luck, man. I'm getting nostalgic. We're talking about a nostalgic movie, and you're going to give me that you're look. You're just rambling. <laughs> All right. You got anything else to add about this movie? No. All right. Good pick. Safe pick, but a good pick. All right. Shut up. Merry Christmas. You're, I told you I didn't have a fucking pick. You're just like, you'll find one. <laughs> pick one. Who cares? And then you fucking sit there and tell me it's a safe pick. I, uh, uh, Fuck also, you and the horse you rode in. I am a jerk. serial killer is set during the holiday season as well. So there's so snow. what? Doesn't there's, make it a Christmas story. There's snow. So there's snow. Yeah. Whoopie dick. 
There's snow in there's there's no snow in fucking Die Hard, and yet it's still considered a Christmas movie. It doesn't snow in L.A., but yet they celebrate Christmas in L.A. Yeah, so what? So there you go. Who cares? There's still bells. And it does snow in L.A. And besides, Cleo, Cleo does the night before Christmas, and all through the house, not a creature was stirring except the four assholes coming in the rear. So what? That doesn't mean anything. Standard two by two cover formation. Right. <laughs> so still, it's a not a Christmas movie. It's a movie set at Christmas time. And. It's an action movie set at Christmas time. And when the asshole goes to interview <laughs> the children at the at the at the McLean, I'm mean, sorry, Gennaro household, okay, door gets open. There's a Christmas tree in there. Again, it's not a Christmas movie. <laughs> it's an action movie set during Christmas holiday, like Reindeer Games, like Reindeer Games, like Lethal Weapon, like The Last Boy Scout, like Bad Santa. It's a heist movie set during Christmas. No, time. Bad Santa is a Christmas movie. <laughs> Again, my idea of a Christmas movie is there has to be opening of presents. That's it. Or an advent calendar. Or an advent calendar. <laughs> it, it, like a Christmas vacation or fucking Christmas story. That's But that's me. That's me. And I said this last week. So I know. Like I said, Die Hard is, is either or both. It, yeah, I, I don't argue with it. If you call it a Christmas story, it's a Christmas story. I don't think you can call it a Christmas story without calling it an action movie. Right. That's why it's an action movie set at Christmas. Yeah. Whereas a Christmas story is a Christmas story set during Christmas break because all the the stuff that goes with Christmas, the turkey and the yeah. fucking the roast duck. And I just realized something. John McClane being stuck listening to Christmas at Ho- Christmas in Hollis and Die Hard was his influence for the reason why he hated rap in The Last Boy Scout. It's possible. <laughs> Because, yeah, because now he's stuck in L.A. and he's divorced from Holly. Yeah. And he changes his name. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And uh, because of the events that happened in Die Hard, so now instead of being a cop, he's yeah. Secret Service, right? Yeah. To the President of the United States. Uh-huh. But he had to, see, but he had to change his name <laughs> so that legally, well, not legally, so that the press wouldn't, wouldn't follow him. Yeah. So he changes his name. Mm-hmm. Still gets a divorce. Gets married to another chick who yeah. happens to also look like Wyatt Holly Gennaro, yeah, considering, and has a daughter uh-huh. as well. So, but the daughter is not his real daughter. Yeah, it's his. There's it's his stepdaughter. Uh-huh. See, so he marries a girl that already had a kid, <laughs> and there you go. Yeah, and that's how the Last Boy Scout really is the sequel to Die Hard. What would you do if I told you to go fuck yourself? I don't know. What would you do? Play some rap music. <laughs> that, right. When I start writing retro reviews again, the Last Boy Scout is definitely going to be in there. Yeah, well, get on it because yeah, you're not fucking doing it. All right. So, a couple trailers showed up this week. Oh, that's right. Uh, Blade Runner 2049. I mean, you know, like yeah, we've only been waiting like 35 fucking years. Well, for they it. weren't even going to do it. <laughs> they weren't even going to make a sequel to Blade Runner. Yeah, no, no, I, I'm just being an asshole. No, no, it's cool, man. It's cool that. Uh, you know they're finally going to do it. It's um, you know, really Scott has a big hand in it, of course. Um, it's being directed by my f- one of my f- favorite new directors, Denny uh, Villeneuve. Um, you know, talk I've talked ad nauseum about how much I like this guy. Right. Um, it's got Ryan Gosling as the main character, who I'm not a fan of. It depends on what I'm seeing him in. So I like him in certain things. 
Have you seen him in Not Drive? Me. He's fucking excellent in Drive. Have you seen Drive? I don't care for Ryan Gosling. <laughs> it's because you saw him in The Notebook, and you. No, I know. I don't care for him because he's in Never Rachel McAdams, and then he turns into James Garner. Great. Okay, so, Cartman, let's go. <laughs> Anyway, it looks cool because it's a teaser trailer. They don't show much, but it still has that kind of a the. Uh, here's the word of the day: bleak. It has that bleak look, you know, to the future, and and then you, of course, you get Harrison Ford, who's fresh off of uh, as Deckard. Yeah. All right. So anyway, it looks cool, and it's not a long trailer. Um, if you're a fan of Blade Runner, definitely check out the trailer, which you probably already have. So I don't know why the fuck we're even talking about it. Uh, the other trailer I saw was for Despicable Me Three. Um, funny. It does look funny. My thing is this, though. It brings me back to the first movie. You don't make the main fucking character. If you're going to make him despicable, quit making him so goddamn family friendly. He's supposed to be a bad guy. Now he's got a wifey and he's stopping other bad guys. But because he makes an asshole oh, comment yeah. here and there. Oh, but that makes him he's still despicable. No, he's not. He's not. He's not fucking despicable. Have you seen the movie? Saw the trailer. No, you saw the trailer. You saw a minute and thirty nine seconds. I've seen the fucking first fucking trailer. movie. I've seen the second fucking movie. So what? And I saw his cameo in Minions. So? Fucking Gru. You, you saw a cameo of him as a young Gru in <laughs> Minions. Yes. I just made a boom boom. And and yet <laughs> the very fucking first thing that you see in the trailer is him next to a guy with that's bouncing his car. Yeah. And he fucking slams him right into a brick building. Yeah. And she takes a picture of it. Well, anyone would do that under the right circumstances. No, he did that out of fucking pure spite. <laughs> but that's still not enough to make him a full-on he villain. He killed a fucking guy. He's supposed to be the world's greatest villain. He killed a guy. He greatest. literally fucking blasted a guy into a brick building, killing him and possibly the family that was in that building, <laughs> doing hundreds of thousands of dollars of damage to said building. That doesn't make him evil? No, because they didn't. No one died. Well, fuck you. Fuck you in the in the horse you. I'm saying this again. <laughs> fuck you in the horse you rode in on. He slammed a guy with a convertible into a building. Uh huh. Real life, yes. Roof up. Yeah. Into a built into a brick fucking building. Yeah. It was, yeah. The but guy, it didn't kill him. The guy's gonna come out covered in dust and dirt and like, oh, I'm gonna get you, crew. Really? <laughs> you know what's awesome about this movie? What? Trey Parker. Yes. Trey Parker playing a Michael Jackson guy. Yeah, 80s throwback. He's fucking wannabe. dancing. Yeah. Holy shit, that got that fucking made me laugh uncontrollably. Did it? All right. Yeah, the whole ship scene. And then uh I, real quick, I saw a trailer for uh They're really doing it, an emojis movie. And it looks fucking horrible. Oh yeah. Looks, Boss baby looks funny though. Boss With the kid baby. drinking the milk and he slaps the hand. Yeah. Whoosh. I, I when did they put the the on there? I remember it was Boss Baby. Now it's the Boss Baby. Uh, it's always been the Boss Baby. See? <laughs> Gonna fucking slam. See? Killed him. No, Instantly fucking dead. Speakers in the backseat kept it from... There were no speakers in the backseat. Look at this. Heist music. <laughs> Balthazar Brat. <laughs> Just fucking moonwalking <laughs> with his spiked haircut. That's your haircut, Bubblegum. <laughs> I just love the dancing. Yeah. Shamal. It's Ramsbottom. <laughs> he's doing the running, man. Rubik's Cube. Oh, he's got a bald spot, too. Yeah. Fucking rad. See, he's a good guy now. God damn it. Come on, that's... <laughs> 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 
God damn it, that's funny. That's that's funny right there. He has a guitar. Ki- a guitar. Ki- a yeah. <laughs> you know his design looks like Shel Silverstein. Um, art. I'm sorry, but look, I'll tell you what. God man. damn it, that fucking movie makes me that just the Balthazar brat stuff with yeah, look, Trey Parker. I like part two better than part one. Part two had El Macho in it, which is great. I love El Macho dance fight. <laughs> so. And Trey Parker's a funny son of a bitch. So I, I, look, we're gonna see it. You know, we're gonna see it. Just yeah. I just have you seen Snatched with no. Goldie Hawn and Amy Schumer? Well, no. I'll watch it later. So that's a new new one that's coming out where basically they are uh, kidnapped. Mother, are they mother daughter? Yeah, they're they, they're kidnapped in South America, uh-huh. and they have to basically try to get back to civilization. That's really it. Okay, so. Liam Neeson was on the Late Show with. Uh, was he talking about his cock? With uh, with uh, was it? Who's that guy? Colburn, Col- Colbert, Stephen Colbert. Okay. I don't watch late night TV anymore. So, can you turn that shit down? Thank you. Shut up, fucker. All right. So anyway, he was asked about doing a Taken Four. Uh huh. And he said unequivocally, "Fuck no, there will not be a Taken Four. Okay. All right, so I just wanted to put that out there, so put everybody's mind at ease. Under there will un- be, unequivocally, fuck now. Yeah, there will not be a taken part four. Oh, okay. So who owns emojis? I don't know. Nobody. Yeah. There are different emojis for different platforms. Okay. So if you see an emoji that looks like that, nobody can own it because yeah. it's basically the smiley face, right? Yeah. Well, the person that owns the smiley face that owns the rights to that can go after the emoji stuff. But other than that, because it's yellow and it's got the eyes and the smile, other than that, no one owes, owns the rights to the emojis. Uh-huh. Okay. So there you go. Yeah, it's funny because that guy looks like a shithead. <laughs> yeah, he was about to say a load of shit. And it's a shit emoji. Yeah. Uh, no, that's just gimmicky as fucking trolls. Yeah, not not interested. So Not interesting. Fuck you. They did an honest trailer for Mortal Kombat. Uh huh. All right, you got to play oh, that. No, we we quit this. No. All right. Um. So last up, I wanted to do a, a quick review of the new game called The Last Guardian that came out on the PlayStation Four. Um. The reason why I wanted to bring up this game is because I am a huge fan of Team Ico. Team Ico, um, which doesn't exist anymore. Um. They designed. They created the uh, for for Sony because they're part of uh their uh. Their Japan studio, their interactive Japan studio. Uh, I they think it's cr- Team ICO. Well, they call it. They pronounce it ICO because the first game that they made for the PlayStation Two was called ICO. It's a classic, um, great game. Then my favorite game of all time, uh, Shadow of the Colossus. They designed that one, which also came out on the PS Two, and that's one of those games that I just keep going back to and playing because I can blast through that game. Awesome. So. A couple years after Shadow of the Colossus came out, so like in 2007, they announced and started showing um, a concept, concept art for a, a game called The Last Guardian. And finally in 2009, there was a trailer for it. And I remember this trailer coming out. I'm like, okay, it looks kind of weird, but it looks interesting. It looks like a combination of both Ico and of Shadow of the Colossus, like similar you know, in storytelling and, and also in gameplay. Um, and it definitely in look, the whole overall look, there's always similarities. Even though each game is similarly looking, they're not connected storyline-wise at all. Anyway, th- what happened with The Last Guardian is, because they take a long time to design these games, 
over at Team Ico. Well, the lead uh, designer, the head designer, whose uh, name is fucking Fujito? <laughs> Fumito Ueda, uh, which I'm not going to say that name ever again. Fumito Ueda. Fumito Ueda. Ueda. Sorry, Ueda. <laughs> Ueda what? Come on. So, uh, he, he for some reason, they left. Him and his team left Sony, quit them in 2011. For some reason? Yeah, for some reason. And so, the game got put on delay. Well... Sony brought people back in to help finish the game, even though the majority of the game was finished. And it was being designed for the PS3, and so they had to change that up too and redesign it to make it fit with the PS4. And so finally, after fucking a decade of planning and and and, and actually designing the game and everything, finally come out with The Last Guardian. Now, off the freaking bat, this game is a pain <coughs> in the ass. And the reason why it is a pain in the ass is because if you go back to Ico and especially Shadow of the Colossus, there's parts where the controls are a pain in the ass. And also you have like, at the worst times, you would have camera problems where the camera would shift on you without you moving it yourself. And it would fuck up your moves when you're trying to do something. Um, This game does things like that too. But the reason why this game is such a pain in the ass at first is because the AI of the main character, which is the the animal named Trico, which he's like a combination of a like a gigantic bird uh, and a dog, and he has like the movements of a cat. It's really in a dragon. So um, what I didn't get the first time I played this game, I put a bunch of hours into playing this, and <laughs> I was getting so pissed off um, every couple hours into this game because the AI for the for the character of Trico because you're this little boy that that has to escort you know this this dragon through to escape this gigantic volcano that you're in this volcano this city in the middle of this volcano um, that you know it's in a, it's like a dormant volcano right so I don't want to give all the story away because you can just play this shit yourself but what they did with the design of this game is you're supposed to be, it's almost like a gigapet or something like that where the the animal Trico learns with you throughout the game. And by the way that you treat it and interact with it is how well it's going to respond to your commands and things like that. And it, it's genius, but at the but when I first played this game, I didn't understand that and I didn't know that. And I, I got so impatient with certain things that I kept just over and over again getting pissed off and fucking, I, I can't believe I didn't throw my controller. I, you know, it's like 65 bucks now for a controller. I ain't throwing shit. But... I just, I fuck it. I, I finished the game. I finally finished the game. Has a beautiful storyline, beautiful ending, the music, everything about it. Always touches the, you know, pulls the heartstrings, just like the other two previous games did. Um, and I said, I'm not gonna play this game again. I'm done with it. Well, my my daughter wanted me to see, wanted to see me beat it because that's one of the things when she was growing up and my other kids too is they loved watching me play Ico and Shadow of the Colossus because I can play through it quickly and beat it. So I said, fuck it. I'm still. Used to, I'm still used to control, so I'm going to play it. So the second time playing this game all the way through, I learned that you have to become patient with Trico, the, your animal, um, and to not overforce him to do commands and things like that. And what happens is it, it the bond with between the two characters grows a lot more quickly throughout the game when you do it that way, when you're more patient and you can go through a lot. And I, I do the second time I beat this shit way quicker than I did before. And 
I only got frustrated a couple of times because there are a couple of times where Trico does things on his own, but he gets distracted like an animal does. And, and it, so it, it, this game is for people that are patient. That's, that's pretty much my bottom line with it. You have to be patient with this game. And if you are, and you're a huge fan of the series of team Ico, then you will be a fan of this film and you'll, or this game and you'll love it. Um, so there, there, there it is. That's my review for the last guardian. I, I, it is an awesome game once you get through that shit. Really is. Well, there you go. All right. So, um, all right. Well, so we'll have Flicks of the Week next week, but we're done with it this week. So say Merry Christmas. Fuck off. Have fun. What's Nippon? Japanese television. <laughs> Sounds dirty, Nippon. All right. So, and there's Clamp. <laughs> all right. Nippon Clamp. What? See Clamp in Wonderland. Where? Bottom of the right by your um your fucking right there yeah Christ <laughs> all right so for flicks of the week I have Joe Spiegel Mike Sutherland all right Cinescape out good show jolly good show jolly good show indeed Hakuna Matata bitches. Please share the podcast. The more people that listen, the better off we are. Thanks again. For more great podcasts and my movie reviews, don't forget to visit www.acoupleofaveragejoes.com. This is the end. This is the end. Finito! The end, I tell you! We're all going to nibble the dust! Or go fuck yourself.